know a lot of folks were disappointed to learn that Irrational Games was kind of winding down or turning into something completely different than what it's been for uh, the last decade or so. Uh, what it means is that a lot of developers have split off and are creating their own projects, some of them inspired by the work that they did at Irrational on the Bioshock series. And one of the ones that we're getting... Uh, well, I guess we're getting it next year, but it has just been announced, um, is the game The Black Glove. Um, it's coming from Day for Night Games, which was co-founded by Joe Fielder, who was actually a former GameSpot site director, so actually a bunch of the, the guys on Giant Bomb uh, actually know Joe uh, pretty well. But I wanted to talk to him about The Black Glove to get the lowdown on what is happening with this brand new game from a bunch of ex-rational people, in which they are not trying to create a Columbia or... Um, anything on that scale, but they're they're trying to create something unique that gives the player agency over storytelling, which I find to be fascinating given how much that you have so little agency over storytelling in the Bioshock game. So we get into that. We talk a lot about horror. So if you don't want to hear anything about horror movies, um, then maybe just skip the first 10 minutes or so before we start talking about the game itself. Uh, but why don't I go ahead and turn it over to uh, my conversation between uh, Joe and myself. Horror games need you to engage with them and what they're kind of want you to do um and when you break that the game kind of falls apart but sure yeah you need to kind of buy into the the world and the experience anything that takes you out of the 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 fact anything that takes you out of the the the, the game world as uh i wouldn't say scary but uh you know i mean at, at the end of the day games are uh, essentially like programs like excel <laughs> we just kind of uh 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 imagine that they're different so anything that breaks the illusion is tough yeah and, and horror games or especially games where you're just like kind of waiting for ai characters to to walk through a path to the, to the one that you're looking for it's it, it is very easy to kind of break that experience for yourself and then once you've broken it it's it's hard to get back into it um yeah. and but i it's Man, like the fact that there's a big budget game whose primary design lessons were curbed uh, from Amnesia: The Dark Descent. Uh, I'm glad a game like that exists. <laughs> <laughs> like seeing a AAA game that is essentially a big budget Amnesia is like it's it's really exciting for me. Like I have problems with it that I think fall more in. I just play a lot of horror stuff, and I'm a huge fan of the genre, so I'm I'm pretty picky about about it. But I think for a lot of people, it's probably going to be the scariest thing they've ever played. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think, you know, like there's a there's a real barrier for people who are, are horror film fans and uh, and what I think mainstream game players want. I, I think you saw some of that with Dead Space where like the first Dead Space is super, super scary. Yeah. And, you know, and EA kind of reacted to some of the, the product testing where people were like, well, I, I don't really like to be scared, <laughs> you know, and they kind of backed off that a little bit more and more over, uh, uh, you know, Dead Space 2 and 3. Um, but you know, as a horror fan, I'm a huge fan of Dead Space. Yeah, that's I, I get into this with Shoemaker all the time. His favorite Dead Space game. Well, nobody likes Dead Space three, but so we can put put that aside. But uh, his is Dead Space two, and mine is is Dead Space. I, I thought that I liked Dead Space two, but you know, it's exactly to your point of it went in giving the players more authority and agency by just being more action heavy. And while it's a I, I, the way I describe it is I thought Dead Space 1 is a scary game. Dead Space 2 is a tense game. Um, yeah. I, th I think they're fundamentally different concepts uh, in which um, like Dead Space is the king of the jump scare. Uh, I, I think jump scares can can be earned and not cheap, and I thought Dead Space was so great at that um, in which they it deployed them at a, an alarming frequency, but it always 
there was always a great build up to it. It wasn't just a jump scare to be a jump scare. It was a jump scare as the result of like five minutes of walking down a hallway in which you think something's going to happen and nothing does. It was, it was fantastic. I love, I, I love that first game so much. Yeah. Same here. I need to replay that. It's perfect, perfect time of the year to replay that game. Yeah. It's been long enough now that I, I think it would still be effective. Um, yeah, you kind of have to wait. You need some distance from experiences like that in order to, to have them kind of be a repeat performance. Yeah. My, my uh, wife and I are replaying the old uh, uh, Thing game, the John Carpenter's I've been meaning, I've been meaning to play that. I have a copy on, on PS2, although I've heard the PC version is not terrible either. Um, it's not on Steam or anything, but you can track down copies on Amazon. And I, Yeah, I've heard that it is surprisingly effective at evoking the same tension from the film, like the, the sort of character dynamics of who's infected and who's not. Yeah, it's got uh, it's got some rough edges, and and you know it's definitely uh, uh, you know like it's been it's a generation or two back. Graphically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, there's also some really nice touches of, uh, to it that I haven't seen in games since. Uh, so it's uh, it's worth checking out. Yeah, it's 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 certainly it's certainly on my list. I think I'm going to replay uh, Fatal Frame Two this month. Is uh, oh. is one? Um, have you replayed uh, uh, the Siren series? Uh, Siren, no, I've never, I've never tried that. Man, I okay. If you have not, um, so the last one, they're supposedly working on one for PS4, which I hope is true because I think it's, it's, it's an incredible series. But the last one, uh, Siren Blood Curse, uh, came out episodically on the PS3. Uh, I don't know, let's say four or five years ago, and it's, it's a tremendously scary. Uh, it's, it's probably the the scariest experience I had that that generation of consoles. It's, it's you know, there's no combat. It's uh, it's a lot of slinking around, and, and the trick that the Siren series has is you can jump into the brains of the creatures around you. So mm-hmm. rather than all of the environmental information coming from what you as the player discover by looking around and swinging the camera around, um, if you see an enemy, you can jump into their brain and then see around them. So you can't control them, but you get a sense of, okay, I've see this one enemy. He walks down the hallway. Okay, I see the two enemies down here. And it gives you a better sense of, of how to get around. It's a really unique idea that I'm shocked no no other horror game has picked up on because it it's just a really effective way of like you end up scaring yourself because you know what's coming, but you also have the information to to, to like to, to counter it. It's just it's it's a really interesting series. Cool. Cool. I'll have to give that a try. But anyway, I guess we're I guess we're here to talk about your video game that you're working on. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's October. I'm happy to talk <laughs> horror games. I could talk your ear off about uh, 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 horror movies. You know. No, I, well, maybe we'll do this and then another time, sometime this month, we'll have to to do just just that because uh, I could I could do the exact the exact same thing. Yeah, no, we're we're on our third year of doing the the 31 days of uh, horror films, and uh, it's uh, this year's radically different. We're doing a lot of the. The more art house sort of, uh, of uh, my, my wife's in, in a huge, huge horror fan. And uh, when people come over to our place and they see all our horror movie posters, they assume they're mine, but they're all hers. <laughs> Buffy replica acts up on the wall and they're like, oh, you're a Buffy fan. I'm like, no, it's, it's Ayana. Uh, so, uh, you know, she's, she's uh, running with the list this year. And there's a lot of cool, interesting things that I think may like psychologically break me by the end. <laughs> Yeah, the 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 one subset I have not gotten too deep into, and 
is like the the pre 70s stuff um uh, I, there's a whole library of of films that i have not even touched i know there's one that's been going around that people are really psyched about the criterion collection just put out um oh, what's it called so the uninvited or um, it might let me i'm trying to pull it up right now if you give me a second sure i think we're watching uh we're watching a criterion one tonight i believe it's quieten it's like a japanese horror anthology uh the innocence that's the one that i the criterion just put out oh i think that's on our list yeah, they they just put it out. Um, it's from it's Onion Review. I don't know if it has the date. Nineteen sixty one, but it is. It's one of those that uh, from folks of uh, friends of mine that have watched it are like, "Hey, you, I, you know, certainly you have to go into movies from you know the sixties and earlier that uh, are with a slightly different mindset." But apparently, this one holds up remarkably well, even in the context of scaring you in twenty fourteen. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, we'll mark that down. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the the black glove. Why don't, why don't we start big picture? Like, I mean, I've read up a little bit on on the the stuff you passed along, but like, give me the give me the elevator pitch on, on what exactly you guys are up to. Sure, sure. The uh, uh, the black glove is uh, an eerie, serialistic first person game experience. It's uh, by a, a group of uh, independent team of developers who helped make uh, Bioshock Infinite. Uh, some of the team even worked on the original Bioshock. Uh, it's due out in late 2015, around Halloween time, for uh, PC, Mac, Linux, and uh, other platforms to be announced. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's an attempt to uh, move the, the narrative game genre forward by, by tying story directly into gameplay. Uh, we're, we're allowing players to alter both events and the world around them by uh, accomplishing gameplay feats within the game. It's, uh, it's set in this uh, strange 1920s theater called uh, the Equinox. And it's a, a place that's kind of like a, uh, maybe a little bit like a, a, the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks where you're not sure if it, uh, it exists in another dimension or a different time or at all. Uh, and... In the Equinox, there are three resident creators. There's a there's an artist, there's a, a filmmaker, and there's a musical act. And when you get there, their works are all in really bad shape. And so it's it's up to you to uh, help improve them. You have the uh, you earn the ability uh, through these gameplay feats to alter aspects of their past. Uh, you uh, you essentially and you know I, I should you know cut aside to a second and just saying. Uh, describing the mechanics of a uh, a surreal game is is a little bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like a, it's like a, you know if I were trying to I, I, you know I can uh, I'm a big fan of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me and Mulholland Drive and they make sense to me in a, in that sort of dream logic way. But if I had to explain it to you, you know that it would it would probably be a little difficult. Whereas you know same thing for the Black Love where uh, uh, you know you're in this this bizarre environment where the rules exist in a sort of dream logic sense uh, that begins to make more and more sense to you over time. But for me to just explain them to you, you know, like cold, it's, it's like, wow, that's strange. It's meant, it's meant to be strange. Um, so yeah, essentially uh, you, 
by earning gameplay, uh, accomplishing gameplay feats within uh, uh, the game, you are able to summon the Black Glove. And it's this uh, uh, weird device that you're able to reach into the, the past of uh, these creators and alter uh, a, a single aspect of their uh, medium, their message, or their muse. And by, by making those changes, when you go back into the environments, everything's changed. The, uh, the, the environment, the narrative, uh, by making just one change to their past, you know, everything is just radically different. So uh, in our uh, uh, game reveal video, the first time you'll go through uh, uh, the artist Marisol's gallery, she's having trouble with her medium. And she's, uh, uh, she's being ragged on by a critic about that. And she, she states that. We give you hints at like, what, what aspects need to change. Uh, so she's, uh, uh, set, she's got an a art display that's uh, uh, a series of skeletons that are created out of uh, wood or gum or wax. And uh, uh, the critic's clear, clearly not happy with it. She's not happy with it. You go in and you change her past. You change, say, uh, her medium from sculpture to uh, multimedia. You go back into uh, that environment, and suddenly the room's just bathed in X-ray light. There are these uh, machines set up that uh, are clearly, clearly dangerous. And everyone uh, in, present in the gallery, you can see their skeletons. And uh, uh, Marisol's talking to the, the critic. The critic's clearly engaged, and she's talking about how she wanted to give a... a a view of uh, uh, people, uh, a sight they'd never seen before, their own skeleton, their own, their own skull, ambulating, full of life. And uh, uh, since this is uh, another aside, you know, you can't make an art-focused game about uh, without seeming a little pretentious. So we <laughs> just go full whole hog into pretension. Just you know, whatever. Well, you know, we embrace it, but we also make fun of it. So you know, her next her next line in there is like, "All perfectly safe, tested on the interns last night." You know, so. <laughs> It's uh, uh, maybe not something that you would want to spend too much time in, especially if you were pregnant. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so the gameplay loop within this, uh, within the Black Love, is that you know you are uh, uh, accomplishing feats within our game within a game. Uh, it's uh, this. There's a, a strange game present called the Maze of the Space Minotaur. Uh, it's this, uh, this sort of 1980s uh, uh, maze-based game that is it's kind of an ode to you know, our favorite real and fictional uh, arcade games from the, from the early 80s. Uh, and in it, you have to uh, uh, survive in this maze of uh, fearsome, fearsome robotic monsters. Uh, and you're able to uh, power shields, you're able to teleport, you're able to set traps. Uh, and all, all the while, you're being taunted by this... Uh, weird nihilistic uh, uh, boss monster, the Space Minotaurus. Uh, so who may, may or may not kind of sneak into the main game is uh, the Equinox's boogeyman. So uh, the, the game loop is essentially, uh, you know, you're accomplishing feats, which are, are kind of like, uh, say, like Xbox achievements. We're pushing you to, to have fun in, in our, our game to spotlight some of the, the more fun aspects of the Space Minotaur game. And then you, by by doing that, you're rewarded by being able to change the narrative and change the uh, change the world around you. And, and from what I understand, that you know, there's no there's no one linear path through the uh, the options you get in terms of what you change are 
are several and that you can, you know, part of the, the fun of the game is, is going back in and being like, ah, well, this time I'm going to tweak it a different way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even like a bad choice, even like by making a mistake, you should, uh, it, it still should be a reward in a, in, a, in a so bad it's good sort of way. You know, I, I kind of talked about like some of the more arty and pretentious uh, influences of the game, you know, like I, I've talked about, uh, uh, you know, David Lynch or Jean Cocteau or whatnot, but we're also big fans of uh, things that are like so bad they're good and like, uh, uh, you know, sad clown art or black velvet paintings or uh, uh, so by making a, a wrong quote-unquote choice, uh, you're, you're still going to have these uh, environments to explore and narratives to explore, uh, uh, created game worlds created by people who uh, helped put together uh, Bioshock Infants Columbia and, and Bioshock's Rapture. So uh, places that you probably want to explore and, and spend time in and, and uh, soak in. It seems a little bit that you're giving a, a significant amount of agency to the player in terms of, you know, determining, you know, the, the future of the world and, and how that kind of stuff plays out, which in, in many respects is, is pretty contrary to, you know, the, the, the Bioshock series, you know, in fact, the, you know, the original game comments on, you know, the, the, the linearity of, of the designer and the, and the player relationship. So is, is part of what you guys are doing here a reaction to making those types of games or is that reading a little too much into it? Well, I think they're, I mean, the reaction to a few different things, uh, I would, I would say, uh, uh, a lot of the reviews and, and fan reactions, uh, that, that I saw to, uh, uh, first person narrative games over the last few years was like, Hey, I really wish I could spend time in this, this game world and just soak in, uh, uh, this, this setting and soak in this narrative without having something constantly trying to, to kill me or having to, you know, uh, uh, shoot things constantly. Uh, but I mean, that doesn't mean that you don't want any gameplay aspects. You mm-hmm. don't want to just, you know, walk around the world. Uh, so, you know, we made sure that, uh, you know, we've got a, a fun game loop within there and that we've, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to help, uh, uh, give people the, uh, give people an active hand in, in, you know, the, uh, in creating, uh, uh, something interesting, you know, by, by through the players, uh, choices, they can make the, environments either uh, uh terrible or or uh interesting or, but always kind of fun to explore um i think another i mean another reaction that i had i don't know if you're familiar with the uh the play sleep no more oh yeah it's it's the one in new york in which it's uh you actually walk through the the settings and you interact with the actors it's it's been it's been likened to a video game a number of times uh when when i've chatted with folks who have gone to it yeah, it's it's amazing. It's a it's a it's a environment that you could just spend hours exploring. And there's you know different scenes that are going on at different times that you're going to miss if you you know if you're in a in a different area. Uh, but I, I, I saw that when it was in uh, Boston, and it was fantastic. An amazing sense of space uh, and time. But like I, I, I didn't want to just observe the story. I wanted to uh, be able to have an active hand in it. So that was one of the one of the inspirations for uh, for the equinox that uh, you know really looking at what, what what can we do next for for narrative and, uh, and what what interesting uh, 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 ends can we can we reach out of that and also you know playing off some of the the uh, skills of the team that we have you know people who are able to put together these interesting three uh, D game worlds this this premise allows us a, a pretty wide palette of of uh, uh, different uh, 
different settings and different uh, tones and, and, and feels for the for the space. And one of the things that I thought, you know, it, part of partially it's fueled by the fact that you know you guys are turning to to Kickstarter in order to to fund a lot of this after having done it privately on your own. But you, know, you guys, you know, kind of upfront say, hey, and we're looking like we're going to ship this in, you know, uh, late 2015. Um, was there a desire on the part of some of you guys after working on, you know, a game that you know famously took you know a number of years, half a decade to to be developed, to work on something that had a scope? You know, just the ability to ship something in, you know, two years as opposed to, you know, these days AAA games just take an incredibly long time to get out the door. Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you that working on uh, uh, Burial at Sea Episode 1 and 2 was was uh, super fun because, you know, we had uh, any any number of uh, uh, base assets that, that you, know, uh, uh, you know, we could we could tweak and update. And uh, uh, it just took... Significantly less amount of time, <laughs> and you know you really want to be uh, as as a game creator, like just being able to get in and uh, uh, dig in and, and see those changes in the in the game right away and start refining and polishing. Uh, it's a lot more satisfying than kind of waiting for the for the engine to come together and whatnot. Uh, in our case, you know we're using uh, Unreal Four, and it's a uh, you know, we've got a team of developers who have used Unreal for years, so uh, we've been able to jump in right away, and it's it's uh, amazing. I think we're getting really nice nice results out of it. Uh, uh, I, I think personally, I think it's pretty striking looking. And what was the the motivation to get a bunch of you guys together to to work on a game, sort of small? Yeah, you know, it was was there like when you guys found out what was happening to Irrational, was the motivation like, hey, rather than all of us split up and go work for a million different places. Why don't we try and keep this good thing going, even if it's not going to happen at the place we've been working at for the last couple of years? Well, you know, I mean, we all we all kind of uh, uh, really had to kind of take stock of like what we wanted to do next. Uh, it's this is this is a game that we've been uh, self funding since the the, the layoffs at, at Irrational, and uh, we've been uh, a lot of us have been working on it in our spare time while while uh, uh, juggling freelance. You know, so. Uh, it's really been a, a, a passion project. It's been, you know, it's cliche to say labor of love, but uh, hopefully it shows. You know, it's it's been something that, uh, uh, you know, we've all been able to kind of uh, uh, band together. And, and I think uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with uh, the work of the, the people who've uh, been been working on the Black Love. They're, they're pretty, it's a pretty amazing crew. I, I think, uh, I don't know if uh, uh, we've talked a little bit before about, uh, uh, you know, senior artist Chad King, uh, who worked on uh, Bioshock Infinite. He uh, he created the uh, the logo that Fox News likes so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we also have a uh, concept artist Rob Waters, who uh, you know he's uh, Rob's amazing. He he did the original concept for uh, Showdown for System Shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, Garrett from Thief, you know, on Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. He's done a ton. He did Sander Cohen, the Splicers, uh, Andrew Ryan, uh, uh, The Boys with Silence, The Handyman. I could, it's quite you know. a resume. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we all, we all like really making, we love making games. So we, we just really jumped in and, and uh, we started pulling more and more people in. And, uh, uh, some of the folks we haven't talked about yet, we've, we've pulled in uh, Pete Paquette, who's a, a senior animator who worked on uh, Bioshock Infinite, and he's also worked on the Ice Age series, the film series. Um, 
character modeler uh, uh, Pete Anderson, uh, who uh, did a lot of the fantastic character models uh, in uh, uh, Barry Let's See. And so, you know, we've, we've just been, it's a group of people we've worked together for years and we have a lot of uh, trust and respect and uh, we're, we're able to uh, really hit the ground running. And uh, I, I think uh, uh, put together something, I think, pretty, pretty fun and interesting. And uh, it's a, it's, we've been working kind of a, from a, a flat hierarchy. So it's really like a, if uh, uh, someone else had a, has a better idea, we let them run with it. We get out of the way or we, you know, help them with it. And uh, uh, I think we've been getting some nice results that way. One of the things, uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying that's uh, probably, a, I don't know if I answered your question. I'm all over the, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just exciting uh, working with this, this group of people. So. One of the things uh, from the the couple of write-ups I've seen uh, so far, the the thing that people latch on to pretty quickly is the Space Minotaur character. Can you please, can you explain what is up with this dude? Sure, sure. I mean, um, you know, it's, uh, the Space Minotaur is uh, something that that Rob Waters and I have riffed on quite a bit. I I think it's, uh, uh, for for me, it's kind of like, uh, what if uh, Jack Kirby created the Micronauts? You know? <laughs> it's uh that mix of the the sort of like uh uh n- over the top nihilistic satire from uh, the new gods and uh in dark side uh with uh you know the sort of weird design sense from the micronauts that was just kind of like you know hey let's have a character with six arms and you know not one of them will be a functional hand there'll be hooks and you know blasters and you know all these sort of strange over the top things so it's uh it's really fun to uh, uh write for the the space minotaur because uh he, he's so over the top and nihilistic that he, I, I think he's funny. Hopefully that'll come across. Do you want to hear a, do you want to hear a clip? I've got actually. Yeah, go for it. Let's see here. This is, uh, here's the, the wit and wisdom of the space minotaur. So he's totally metal. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, I can imagine him on the cover of an, of an Iron Maiden album. Yeah, yeah. There's. Uh, I, I think that uh, uh, you know the the side of uh, the side of the uh, uh, arcade machine reminds me a little bit of a, a Dio cover. Yes. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I know it's uh, uh, you know and the gameplay is uh, I think a, a kind of a modern take on a lot of our, our favorite uh, uh, '80s arcade games. There's a uh, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of DNA in there. That's just, uh, some of our favorite things, whether it's, uh, like Jack Kirby or metal or, uh, 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 you know, the Micronauts or, uh, it, you know, you basically, when, you know, you, you sit down to create something, you want to, you want to try to, uh, uh, make it the most interesting possible, start at the most interesting possible space give yourself a real challenge. And the space minotaur is like a really fun challenge to me to write because, it's kind of like uh, Matt Groening wrote, you know, he still used to say that uh, uh, writing Ralph Wiggum lines were the were the the toughest in The Simpsons because it was like a mix of like childhood innocence and Dada. <laughs> so <laughs> the spaceman the door is like, you know, it's got to be nihilistic and funny. <laughs> so. And so you guys are are turning to Kickstarter. That's kind of the reason we're talking because you guys are at the point where you're you're launching uh, on there. Like, what what motivated this to be? The avenue you guys pursued for for taking this project forward. Well, uh, you know, Kickstarter has been a really fantastic way for a lot of uh, independent uh, projects to to find their markets. Uh, 
I look at uh, uh, all the games and films and, and, and whatnot that, that have come out of it over the last few years. Uh, Blue Ruin uh, on the film side, you know, came out of uh, Kickstarter FTL, the game I play like every day, <laughs> came out of it. Uh, you know, it's uh, I, I, the Long Dark, which I'm playing right now. Uh, Kickstarter is a pretty exciting place for uh, a, a lot of. Uh, uh, it's in, in its own way, be kind of come its own independent publisher. Uh, and we, you know, we were looked at it as a way of uh, uh, finding our market, uh, reaching out to uh, uh, people, and in a way that uh, maybe a little different than, you know, uh, going through traditional sources. Um, but, uh, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to kind of maintain our, our, uh, original vision for the game. And, and this, this will allow us to, uh, uh, remain true to that, to self-publish, uh, through, uh, with the Kickstarter backing. And one of the things I was, um, maybe I just have a, a, a misguided impression of it when I was looking through the, the document you sent along kind of outlining the, the game concept, the amount of people you have working on the game is, is fairly impressive. Like it was, I kept scrolling thinking like, Oh, well it's probably only like four or five people, but like it's, it's well over 10. Yeah, no, we, we, we got a lot of friends. It's great. We've got a lot of people who've uh, pitched in and, and helped. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, you know, quite a few people from on the art side, animation side, uh, you know, the Kickstarter itself will allow us to, to bring in a number of people full time, uh, some people part time, uh, and to keep on working with a number of the, the super talented, you know, freelancers. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a, been a really great crew. I, I've had a few people over the last few days, uh, thank me for involving them and saying that, you know, this is one of the, the, the most fun experiences they've had making games in the last few years, which is, uh, uh, awesome. Awesome to hear. It's been, I, you know, I can say that I, I feel really lucky to work with, uh, all these talented people and it's people who, they're working on such a such a high bar that when they turn something in, it's like, oh, geez, I have to do justice to that because they've really brought their 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 uh, uh, you know just their best ideas. So I need to make sure that I'm you know bringing mine as well. So are are you just working on on the writing side? Or are you involved in design side as well? I mean, I imagine a team that small, everyone sort of you know pitches in to to all the design. But where exactly does your specialty fall on it? Uh, yeah, I'm working on writing and design, and I've also been acting as a, a producer on the game. So uh, I am uh, pulling in some additional production help so I can focus more on writing design and design uh, after the Kickstarter. Uh, but uh, we all wear uh, a lot of hats. Like I said, we're you know the sort of flat hierarchy, so it's a very collaborative process where. Uh, you know, like, like I mentioned, if someone has a better idea and, the, you know, this time, uh, the, the schedule and, and uh, uh, budget allows for, we'll, we'll run with it. Now, we're chatting before uh, the Kickstarter actually launches. So what is what is the feeling before you actually hit the go button and see how people respond? Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty exciting. We've been we've been running uh, our our video. We've been running our assets and uh, our, our Kickstarter uh, page by a number of our industry colleagues. Uh, you know, f- friends and, and colleagues we've worked with for years, and, and the reaction's been uh, super positive. And uh, people are, are people are pretty excited about it. So we can't wait to share it with the world because. Uh, uh, you know, we, we really hope that people people enjoy it as, as much as uh, we've enjoyed working on it. 
And I guess the, the last question I would ask, and obviously the most important question is, uh, well, two parts. Okay, one, wh- what's your favorite horror movie? And then two, what's the movie you're most looking forward to watching this month out of your list? Oh, the geez. Uh, that That's tough. I mean, I would say for favorite horror movie, I, I'm going to be a jerk and say that it's probably a tie. Okay. Um, you know. I'll accept it. I'll accept, <laughs> between, it. I'll accept it. Uh, I'm a, an enormous fan of uh, John Carpenter's The Thing mm-hmm. uh, for any number of reasons. It's just a, a fantastic horror film. Uh, and it's incredibly tense. It's a it's a great ensemble cast. Uh, it's I think it's a it's a horror film that even if you don't like horror films, you should watch. You know, like American Werewolf in London. You know, I think it transcends just you know horror fans. As like a diehard uh, horror fan, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of. Uh, uh, Fulci's, uh, uh, you know, uh, was it the, uh, apocalypse trilogy? It's, uh, they're not actually films that I would recommend to people who aren't into horror films because they're, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're, they're pretty, uh, they can be a little, a little on the gross side. Um, but, uh, uh, I'm actually blanking, blanking on the name. Is it, of, is, zo- is zombie in that arc or is that a different set of his films? Uh, Zombie is one of the three, okay. and there's also, uh, is it Gates of Hell? The, is it, uh, uh, bu- 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 I'm, I'm trying to, I'm looking it up now. There's a, because one of the zombie movies has, I believe it's zombie that has the underwater sequence in which there's an underwater zombie that is attacked by a shark. I think that's one of them. Oh, the zombie versus shark. Yeah, that's, that is a zombie which is uh, the kind of unofficial. <laughs> it's kind of the unofficial sequel to uh, 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 Night of the Living Dead. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it was the Beyond. That's the one I'm, I'm thinking oh, of. Okay. It was a movie Ebert hated and thought was complete junk. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, for me, it's kind of like you know being pretty close to Ground Zero when the the gates of hell open up. It's kind of uh, uh, it's it's weird and doesn't totally make a ton of sense but it's uh it's full of a lot of uh, uh strange scenes and and uh, uh actually a quite a few gross outs so i wouldn't necessarily recommend it to 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 the guy on the street i haven't seen that one i'll have to i'll have to add that yeah it's uh if while i would recommend the thing to anybody yeah. you know that's kind of a gross movie the beyond most of fulci's movies have <laughs> scenes in there where, oh man the, the scene in zombie when the woman is uh looking through the uh like the keyhole or something like that and then something gets stabbed in her eye like right in yeah. her eye. it's Ooh, just eye violence. It's, it's 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 rough i mean it's if if you're you know if you've watched enough of those movies you can appreciate like the craft that goes into making that as gross as as it is but yes you're right it is not it is not for the average person probably <laughs> yeah yeah and you know it's i know to to actually this is somewhat re- related to the black glove where, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of horror films and whatnot, but, uh, you know, the, the black glove is, is kind of a, while it's, it's definitely this, uh, it's set in this really eerie setting, uh, and in very strange, creepy setting that, uh, uh, there's not a lot of, re- there's not any realistic violence within it. And it is kind of a, uh, I think more of a, a, a positive game experience. I've, I've played a, we talked about, you know, inspirations and reactions for me like i've played so many games over the last few years that have been 
pretty pretty dark and and down uh, that I wanted to work on on something that was more about like uh, uh, creating, having a little more uh, you know positive. Uh, 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 I think I played like three games in a row that were, you know, just completely depressing. So it really uh, inspired me to want to try to do something uh, uh, in a in a different in a, in, a, in a different way. And uh, what is the the film you're looking forward to watching this month? That is a good question. So far, we've watched Hellraiser, At the Mouth mm-hmm. of Madness. Good choice. A little Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which isn't part of the the list. Uh, I am, uh, I think we're going to watch the tenant tonight. That's, uh, uh, Roman, uh, Polanski. Uh, ah, okay. Going high class horror. What's that? It's like going high class horror. Yeah, no, there's, uh, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, things on our list this year that like, that are criterion collection sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think actually probably the one that I'm looking forward to the most out of everything is I think on Halloween we want to watch the old cartoon for uh, Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> That's a good choice. It's my favorite Halloween story. So That's good. I like that. Um It's also like Headless Horseman also he is completely metal. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm with you. So it has the, the the flaming pumpkin, flame flaming jack o' lantern and a sword, you know, no head. He's on a horseback. It's completely metal. Awesome. Well, Joe, appreciate you taking uh, coming to your time to to chat with me about it. And I'm good luck with your with your Kickstarter. I'm sure you guys will be fine. But I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to checking out uh, more of it. Uh, I want more Space Minotaur in my life, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Cool. Cool. Great. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You want to hear one more? Yeah. One more clip yeah. Let's, let's close out with one more of those. Okay. Let's see. That's really good.